In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That they may all be one. I was thinking about that line from the Gospel lesson, the words from Jesus earlier this week, and I began to remember an experience that I had with one of my previous congregations where I was the interim pastor. In a working session at a leader's retreat where folks were reviewing and updating their proposed mission and vision statements, we had conversations something like this. I don't like the word public, one person said. We need to replace it with prophetic. To which then someone said, I like the word public. It's more inclusive. It's more who we are. Then someone else said, this whole thing is too whitewashed, too vanilla. It doesn't have enough depth. Can't we squeeze in something about social ministry or something that means something to people. And then someone else said, I move that we send the whole thing back to the committee that put it together in the first place. (laughs) And I wondered what they would react, how they would react, because it was the, that would have been the fourth time this group sent it back. So Jesus wants us all to be one. He said so three times in the gospel lesson for today. So clearly, Jesus hasn't spent much time in the church. At least as we know it. His goal maybe appears rather unrealistic or unachievable. There's no way that we're going to be one on everything in a congregation. And I, for one, like it that way. I don't want to be part of a congregation that always agrees on everything all the time. Or where the biggest decisions are around whether we have cookies and chips for coffee hour or just cookies. You know, something simple like that. I'd much rather be in a congregation that really dives in and decides seriously who we are and what God is calling us to do. Agreement in religious organizations and institutions can be a little scary. I interviewed once in a congregation And when it was my turn to ask some questions, I asked them how they solved disagreements in their congregation. And they said, we don't have any disagreements. And I said, well, what about your differences of opinion? And they said, we don't have any differences of opinion. Well, I knew better. I accepted the call. And trust me, they had disagreements. (laughs) They were in deep denial over that. So I'd be tempted to say to Jesus, you just don't know how the church has evolved since you said these words. But then if we think about it and we remember the context of Jesus' words, right? I mean, he was close with his disciples, and we know 
that as he's leading up to his own death and resurrection, one will betray him, one will deny him, they'll all run away from him in his greatest hour of need. And then think about the early church that John writes about, struggling to get on its feet after a painful separation from life in the synagogue, struggling to define itself at a time when they weren't really sure where they were going. Some wanted to follow Peter and some wanted to follow Paul. Think about what Paul went through again in that first lesson for today. And think about all those people in the first century of the early church who died a martyr's death in defending Jesus Christ and their freedom to believe in Christ. It makes our problems look rather insignificant, doesn't it, by comparison? Reading Jesus again, I don't think that he's naive enough to think that the people in his church are going to agree on how you light the candles, whether it's from top to bottom or from bottom to top. Or f- Do you know which way it is? Right? If you watch, right? Top down and then down up when you extinguish them, right? No. Top down always. So there you go. <laughs> I think what we need to do is talk about the more important things. We're looking to create a community of faith, not a community of robots who agree on the same thing always and act the same way always. That's why so often this text is used in the wider church, and sometimes people think that it really doesn't say what it should say either, that so often in the wider church we get the idea that people need to let go of their deepest opinions and values and beliefs and hopes and dreams so that we can all get along, so that we don't offend each other, so that we appear in the public eye that we really are united as one. Appeals of this kind of unity so often come across, though, as manipulative ways of quelling dissent or free thinking or dampening the marginal voices in the church or people who are more creative, have different energy and different focus, different hopes and dreams, or different understanding of what Jesus means for them and for the church. And that's what I think Jesus is really looking at. He's hoping for a deeper unity, but one that transcends the differences that we too often view as obstacles rather than the gifts that they really are. I think that Jesus wants each member of the church to feel that he or she has a place in it, not simply to be tolerated, but essential to the whole with all of their ideas, with all of their experiences and understanding in the church. It is a unity that doesn't have to be imposed but one that is already present among Jesus' followers. And the purpose of Jesus' unity isn't some standalone virtue of what unity should be for its own sake. 
It's unity for the sake of the world. And this is the important part of the gospel that really clinches it for me, so that the world may know that you, Father, have sent me, Jesus, that you have loved me and loved them, you and me together, even as I have been loved by you. In my understanding, the whole idea of this prayer of Jesus is so that we might be one, the church might be one, so that people will see us and want to be a part of us and want to experience the love of God that they see not only within us, but coming through us in our love and service to the world. We are part of this reign of God, this kingdom of God, that people are so eager to be a part of. And it's visible more often when we let Jesus' love shine through. Looking inside the church is supposed to give you an idea of what God's love for God's children really looks like. And this is why Jesus wants the church to be one, not to obliterate all of the differences, but to see that God's love is big enough to encompass everyone in the church so that the whole world may see this and know about God's love. So back at the leaders' retreat, the mood had shifted a little bit. The leadership began to agree more on what the church's next steps ought to be. And I had to marvel that the more deeply they shared some of their opinions, even though they were different with each other, even the more they shared their distinctive views and their yearnings and their hopes, the more that they were able to discern and fashion a common agenda for the future of their congregation. They experienced within this conversation of some differences some real passion and energy and hope, and they got to a place where they finally were able to take a stand. So agreeable had the session become that I almost wanted to have them have a group hug. It was so lovely. But then someone complained that they were hot, and then someone else said they were freezing, and then there was an argument about whether or not the lights that they were using were energy-saving enough or not, and I realized then that that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. So... I don't know if summer is the best time to start this process for you. Already, you know, I've been asking you to be thinking about whether you want to donate some of your time and efforts to be on the transition team and the call committee. I'm going to have assignments for you all summer long to fill out forms. We need your opinions We need your voice. We need you to participate in this. If it's not the summer, you know, I know what will happen. School starts, and that's not a good time. Then all the holidays come, and then it's the rainy season, and then it's Easter, and then it's summer again. So we're going to start. We're going to start. I hope, I hope and pray that you'll see in this process here at Christ Church Lutheran the acting of the Holy Spirit 
and that you'll remember that God is blessing us to be one, but that doesn't mean we always have to have the same thoughts and ideas and opinions about where we're going. But in the meantime, I hope that you see that God is moving us from what we've been to what we're going to become, and you'll trust and hope in the process and God's presence in it. So for your blessings in this process and in your living out your life as one in Christ so the whole world may see what Christ is doing in this place through you, we pray. Amen.